I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the midweek footsie. Uh, the midweek footsie is where we answer your questions and uh, no playing with your feet this week. Um, what we have today, we have me, we've got Steve D, we've got Steve W, and we've got Tom Morgan from That Finance Show, his YouTube channel. Uh, like and subscribe, blah, 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 blah. So uh, in, during the midweek footsie, we don't really talk about too much financial news, but we talk, uh, we do answer some of your questions. And today we've got two questions which are relatively the same, and hopefully Tom can shed some light on it as well. The questions from uh, Connor McEwen and Sean Walsh, I'll probably just ask... Sean's because it seems like a, a, a little bit more put together, but um, it basically revolves around mortgages versus investing and renting, I think, comes in it as well. So uh, what do we do? Should we pay down our mortgage? Should we overpay uh, for our fixed term or uh, investments? Or should we get into the stock market? What would we do? What If I was coming into your shop, or I don't even know if you have a shop, Tom. <laughs> if I was coming into, if I was coming into, into Tom's uh, financial, uh, independence retire early emporium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I was if I was coming in there one day uh, and I said, "Mate, should I pay down my mortgage or should I get into the stock market? What do you think I should do?" Would you just hit the panic button? Say... Yeah. How did you find me? <laughs> <laughs> you know you've got the restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> I'd let you in my shop, Paul, if I had one. I'd, I'd buy a kebab off you, mate. Yeah, thank you, mate. Um, I tell you, I think it's... <laughs> Look, they've asked a serious question here, and we've already ruined it. It's a good question. <laughs> Sorry. It's a good question. So there's two, two parts to the answer for me, I think. There's kind of a mathematical answer, and then there's an emotional one in terms of if you look at where interest rates are now on mortgages you know, they're still so low. Um, and if you look at what average returns in stock markets have tended to be, they outstrip the current rate that most people are going to be paying in interest on their mortgage. So from a mathematical point of view, if you overpay on your mortgage, you're only saving the rate of interest that you're paying on that money, 1%, 2%, 3%, whatever it might be. And if you alternatively invest that money into an average stock market performance over a decent period of time, you will probably do better than that. So if you are a maths person and into the sheer, I want to make the correct mathematical decision, then the answer is don't overpay, invest instead. But I am fully aware that there is a bit more to that question from an emotional standpoint of not liking to see yourself with big levels of debt, the security that comes from not having high loan to values on the house if something happens with your job or anything like that. So I sort of always liken it to the fact I've never met somebody that paid off their mortgage early that told me they regretted it, even though mathematically it might not have been the best call. 
That's a bit of a convoluted answer, but does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. No, to it me. does make yeah. sense, sir. Because it takes totally a lot of your salary up, doesn't it? So it, it frees up a hell of a lot of cash for you to do other things with. So it probably f- makes you feel like you're richer, even though mathematically you probably aren't any richer out of it. So just to sort of throw my hat in the ring, I, I do both. So I overpay my mortgage and I, I invest. So I try to split it up. We had ideally want to, I mean, we're, we're, our lunch value is only about 40%. So we're not. We're not in any way, shape, or form in, in any trouble should one of us lose our jobs. We, we should still be fine to, to pay this mortgage off or even to borrow against it. But um, for me, it's just one of those things I've always wanted to not have is a mortgage. It, it feels like a debt, even though it's probably, it's almost like a student loan style debt. It's, it doesn't, you know, there's not a lot going on there. But also, also reticent to the fact that, you know, if inflation does come, interest rates start to fly up that makes that makes the debt a little bit more um, unaffordable um, depending on what kind of fix you get and how unlucky you are when you fall into that you know that that inflation bracket but yeah i don't know how do you guys feel about it i feel it? kind of similar i mean i did so- the thing that you described as probably not financially smart with my student loan so i don't have a mortgage yet and i'm kind of umming and ahhing about getting one versus continuing to rent for a bit longer and leaving my deposit um, in investments in compounding and stuff. And I've been trying to work out the kind of maths on that side. So one of the numbers that stuck out to me was if you have a decent sized deposit, which I think I do, let that compound a fair bit and you end up with quite a big number that you won't have if you throw it in as a deposit now. You give up your kind of compound interest over that in the future. Um, and I'm still working out exactly how much that kind of matters to me. And I'm also working out what that number is. And kind of like Tom said, whether that number really matters, um, whether that number really matters in the sense of there are some things that are different rent wise that you can't put a number on, like being able to redecorate in certain ways, like being able to do things with the garden and so on in a house that you don't own. It's much kind of harder. There's kind of upkeep costs with uh, a house that you own via mortgage that aren't there when you rent. I'm trying to work out how to lump all of that into a kind of big spreadsheet and then work out even if i come up with the number that is the amount that would be cheaper one way or another to do i mean does it eventually kind of matter if what you really want is to get your place and kind of start making it your own getting it the way you like it in ways that you can't do necessarily if you're renting it i feel a lot of what was being said there thank you so much there steve for ruining the second part of the question uh, by answering the question before <laughs> i've even asked it sorry i thought thank you'd lump them both sir. together <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because Connor it's, couldn't write or something you said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I was going to ask the second part. I was hoping it was going to flow naturally, but yeah, it kind of has. But um, I've probably got a slightly different I, different spin on it at the moment in the fact that I am investing quite heavily uh, and not overpaying on my mortgage. But in my goal number in that, in that, in that cash pool that I've got later, I have actually factored into... Right, right now, I have factored in my mortgage into my financial freedom number, if you, or my FI number, or whatever you want to call it. So I have factored all of that in, and really, if you take into account me doing that, I could now take out one of them mortgages until I'm seventy-five and just pay, try and pay a low interest rate until I'm seventy-five. Obviously, interest rates might not stay like that forever, so that is one thing you have to mm. totally watch out for, and. It, I am following this plan at the moment, but I fully re- uh, reserve the right to change that 
on a dime if i if my risk profile changes or if my my uh, outlook changes in the future for for whatever reason whether i think the stocks are in a bubble even though that'd be the last reason that i'd sell all my stocks to pay off my mortgage for whatever reason but if i if i think that interest rates are going to become unpayable on my mortgage for example if we go back to the 1980s when we got 14 to 18 percent mortgage uh, interest rates and we're paying mortgages of at 18 percent that could get very very scary and it might be that in that case I don't. I don't know if any um, emergency fund could save me from that. I, I don't. I don't know if it could save a lot of people from from a default there. But um, it would be only be in that sort of situation that I take money away from stocks and investments uh, to pay off a mortgage, even though I fully agree how amazing it'd be like an instant payday that's the way i look at it if you had paid off your mortgage that day it would feel like an instant pay raise and you would just be uh, you'd feel so much more free financially but tom going on from connor's um question there he asked in the second part of his question uh he for someone who is renting and now looking to buy a house in these times, is it worthwhile saving purely for a deposit and then focus on investing afterwards? Or should we split the savings between investing at a cost or having a similar deposit or a longer time to save? So he's basically saying, should I continue renting and saving for a deposit on the side or uh, trying to invest a little bit more? Yeah, that's quite a tricky one to answer because people are in such unique circumstances. But I think if, if your primary goal, if the thing that is the most important thing to you right now is buying a house, then you want to do that as quickly as possible. And the way to do that is to get your deposit together as quickly as possible. But it all depends. I mean, the, the, you could easily argue a balance of, well, let's just keep the deposit going and we'll invest something so that at least we're not completely neglecting the idea of investing um it all depends on goals i think if for me for most people in that situation because i remember being there it is usually a pretty strong goal isn't it i want to own my own home is normally this big you know thing that kind of overarches everything else and so if that's the case then i think you should concentrate on that and, and, and get the deposit together and do it um you know and make sure you keep the deposit in cash I would, um, you know, if the, if the house purchase, if you can make that a reality within five years, then you should just be saving cash, accepting the inflation, the poor rate. You have to accept that as part of that journey mm. to get the deposit together, in my view. Yeah. And in, are there any reasons in, that you can think of off the top of the head that you would rather, from a financial standpoint, because obviously one of the main reasons that pops out to me to continue renting rather than buying my own home would be that i've got some freedom so let's say i am a top dog financial advisor and all of a sudden someone offers me a job in switzerland i've now got the opportunity to go do that and earn that money over there by just kicking myself out of uh, rented accommodation yeah, so definitely i mean that that is the biggest thing about rented isn't it is the flexibility it gives you i think if you buy a good house and you do your research well um i'll give you an example the first house that i owned we all of a sudden wanted to move family-wise paul you'll relate kids and all the rest of it um and it all sort of happened quite quickly and we put our house we found a house that we liked and then we put our house on the market to try and get it 
and we sold our house within six hours because the house yes, that sir. we were in was very, very desirable. So I think, you know, you can counteract some of that flexibility by making sure you've got a, you know, a real solid asset that you could sell. Clearly that still takes time to go through and all that. And it is not still as flexible as renting, but making sure you do your research and not buying a dog that you could never get rid of just because it's cheap. You know, that, that manky old apartment above Tom's financial kebab shop is probably not the one. Yeah, but I mean, if you want the kind of ultimate inflexibility, I guess you don't even rent, right? If you want the ultimate inflexibility, what you do is you set yourself up on top of your car and just drive yourself off to wherever the next job happens to be. Well, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm glad you have, Steve. <laughs> it's, it's have ladders, will travel. <laughs> it still costs money. It still costs money. <laughs> I guess. I was just uh, say, yeah. I, sorry. Do we? Do we as a group? Do we as a group believe in this mortgage fallacy? Because there's been a lot of people I've seen, probably not this year, but definitely last year and the year before, suggesting that uh, mortgages were a fallacy and we shouldn't do them and they're the worst investment that we should, we could possibly get into. Do we as a group kind of agree on that or disagree on that? Because have you been listening to, to Dave Ramsey where again? Everyone comes from. <laughs> I tend to think about this Dave in kind Ramsey of relative might be terms. One of them, actually, yeah. I think when interest rates are low, that does two things. I mean, it drives up the value of, uh, or the price, sorry, of stocks, which makes them presumably worse returns over time, and it drives down the repayments on a mortgage. So it makes mortgages more attractive and investing less attractive, I think. I could be wrong about this, so I'll ask professional fire enthusiast Tom in a minute to comment on this kind of thing. But um, <laughs> my sense is that the lower interest rates are, the more attractive it becomes to get a mortgage rather than trying to save and compound because your returns will be lower with interest rate when interest rates come back up again that will make the mortgage more expensive and drive down the value of your kind of equity uh, portfolio so i think it probably depends on that awful word that we try and avoid using uh which is fc no yeah. uh, which is timing uh, sorry <laughs> well the problem is that um, most people making I, a house well, purchase decision with... is not they don't normally time it do they you know it's normally no, get that. their time of life that they arrive at the point they want to buy a house it's a bit like saying you know, fuel prices are too high, so I won't put fuel in. But you don't, you turn up at the fuel station to stick fuel in your car when you're empty. You don't, you can't time it. Hmm. Yeah, I was See, for me, it's about putting down roofs. Uh, well, I was watching some YouTuber the other day on um, houses, and he said, you should, you with property, you buy and you wait. You don't wait and you buy, say, say with time in stocks. And, but I would, I would say that risk-free rate comes in really important here because if i started to see my mortgage rate you know if my if my mortgage um if i have to get a new deal in the next five years and interest rates have gone up and now my interest rates offered to me by the bank are you know five percent maybe even six percent i could see myself pulling myself right out of stocks and and not investing into stocks at all because i've essentially got a risk free rate risk free rate there of five percent and I, uh, that feels like time in the market to me, but it also feels like, I don't know, it's just an, it's going to be a necessity. The thing is with that, that was just absolutely spot on. I couldn't agree more with that because you paying down the mortgage is a guaranteed rate of return going into the stock market. There are no guarantees. So I think for me, I've always had this idea in my head, not too far from yours, Paul, that if I was ever presented with a situation on our family home here where the rates being offered to me were north of four and a half, pushing five and northwards percent. 
I think I would seriously start to reconsider that position. If you think average stock market returns, say, call it eight, nine percent, whatever you want to say, the, the, the odds are starting to move not in your favor. So I just think I would probably do the same. You see, we do it kind of in a really odd way. So I'll, I'll explain this route and you can maybe tell me I'm being stupid or not. But we we put away a pot of cash every year. And we usually fix for as long as long as we think is feasible to, to fix for. So if there's a really good five-year fixed deal, then we'll fix for five. If the good deal is only over two, we'll fix for two. And what we do is we, we generally put away a monthly amount and then an annual amount as well. We end up with this pot of cash. When it comes to the end of the fix, we might have, um, well, just for example, we had 50 grand last time. Um, after a five-year fix, that's how much me and the wife had put, put away. And... Um, it came down to we, we wanted to move house. So it made sense that we would lump that in to have a lot less, you know, a, a lot more equity uh, in, in the house. So, so it made moving for us a hell of a lot easier. But if we weren't going to move and we were presented with a five-year fix at one and, a, one and a bit percent, then we would have just fixed that and just carried on building that cash pot until you could eventually pay off. Because that's the beauty of coming out of a fix is you come out of a fix and you go to the standard variable rate. There's no limits on overpayment at most mortgages. You can just whack that balance off if you've got it. So that's generally how I feel about mortgages is like kind of lump them down. I pay, I've started to pay them down monthly just because – uh, I've moved to a new place. It's, it's a, a bit more, it's three times the price uh, which I paid before. So you need nice a, you need an that. offset mortgage, do you? Yeah, yeah, that probably be a good idea to build the cash pot and, and offset against it. See, this is why you need financial advice, people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It took me an hour and a half. I found my value. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Tom, right it's shoulder. Nice. There's a hand there. <laughs> that's my hand <laughs> what's your um, so you're, you're you're essentially saving for sort of five years there on a, on that rate what's it doing to your cash you, uh, with inflation and things like that are you, yeah we've got you, i don't care about inflation inflation's invisible no. no everybody everybody who talks about inflation it's like the spooky boogie man i don't really give a shit about inflation to be honest all i know is that when inflation's high and interest rates are low your stocks are going up that's all you need to know <laughs> and cash is trash that my next my next client meeting the army inflation is just the yeah. oogie boogie oh. man i like that it's just it's just the boogie man isn't it your bread's, <laughs> your bread your bread's gonna be five pence more expensive oh wow you know what I, mean? I would it's... i would like to do the calculation on that steve and and see how much you really came out on top with that That's well the beauty of it is, mate, is that even if your house falls to bits you've got a bit of cash on the side to do things to it uh, and whilst the house gets bigger, you need a bigger pot of cash to do the things you need to do to it. But like I've said to you before, my income's really lumpy, so I get um, essentially a year's salary in one go, plus I get salary all every month, and then I get two bonuses. So my salary is kind of crazy. So I can have no money and all the money. Um, so I've got to be... I've got to be careful. Stuff's got to be put in pots and it's got to be held and waited for. Um, it's just it's just the odd way in which I get paid. Not not a bad situation to be in. <laughs> I'd love Tom to pick through my finances and just see what it's see what it's like. You'll have to send me a business it'd, card. It'd be like <laughs> that uh, always sunny in Philadelphia meme where it's just like. He's he's there in the middle of the room and he's just got red tape going from one side of the room to the other and he's going, what the fuck is I think going it, on in here? I think it'd be like, hang, hang on a second, let me just empty these pillows, they're full of hundreds. 
like, you walk into Tom's, you walk into Tom's shop with a mattress and you go, like, <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> it just keeps going. <laughs> What's in coins? The coins in the mattress. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, a, it's a nice bed. Anyway, uh, that, that's comes up to about 20 minutes. We've, we've messed around too much there. We're getting really silly tonight. Uh, thank you very much for watching, everyone. I hope, Sean, and I hope, Connor, that's helped to answer your, your questions. But if anything, it's just been entertaining. And thank you to Tom from That Finance Show. Like and subscribe his YouTube channel, That Finance Show, um, and uh, leave us a review if you feel like leaving us a review. Thank you very much. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up.